Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Jeff McManaman of Metro Philly, along with Philly.com's Michael Kasky Blamain. And, uh, you know, we've had a very steady following growing uh, for the show. So I'd like to personally thank all of our listeners over the past 10 weeks who have tuned in here. Uh, as always, you can add our podcast on the app Stitcher. And, you know, make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report. Uh, so, Mike, last week I started off the show by talking about, you know, how I was headed to Cleveland watch uh, the Sixers take on LeBron and the Cavs down at the queue. Uh, yeah. you know, what a great de- defensive performance out there from the Sixers. And uh, just yeah. an unfortunate ending there. Um, from a Sixers standpoint, uh, you know, who was the MVP of that game for you? Yeah, you saw, uh, you saw a pretty good one out there. That must have been a good time. <laughs> a little bit. Pretty heartbreaking, heartbreaking you know, kids trash-talking behind me. Uh, with me wearing a Nerland's Noel shirt, but uh, other than that, yeah, great time. I like it. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I liked – I thought it was – that game in particular, I mean, that was a great, uh, you know, a great team effort all around, I thought. I mean, you have to like the contributions. Like, we we talked about them last week. Uh, You know, I really like the way Ish has been playing recently. Um, I I thought he played well in that game, Um, you know, taking it to the rim and getting guys involved. I think he he only had like eleven points, but I think he finished with like five or six assists. Um, you know, uh, Covington was really solid that game. Uh, I think he he had five threes. Uh, his his continued emergence as a shooter for the team has been great. But um, you know, I'd like to hear your perspective. What do you think? Uh, you know, from first hand perspective, live at the queue. Oh man! Uh, first of all, that that jumbotron is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in sports. You know, <laughs> you've got a football field screen sitting atop, uh, you know, uh, the court there, and it's just an awesome thing to see. Um, but, you know, in terms of the team, obviously I was very impressed by the defense. I thought that Luke actually handled LeBron, you know, just in a, a great way the majority of the game, holding him to just 8 of 24 from the field, you know, forcing him into five turnovers. And I feel like that's what really kept the Sixers in the game. I mean, outside of Kevin Love and, uh, uh, you know, flat top donning, uh, what's his name out there? Uh, uh, the uh, Knicks Shumpert. Before. Shumpert, yeah. Shumpert, yeah. Is, outside of those two leaving the game. The uh, yeah, um, you know, outside of those two leaving the game, I really think it was Luke's defense on LeBron 
that really, you know, kept them in the game. And, you know, Firk and Aldemir was just awesome on the boards and very active on offense. And uh, as a team, I think that was just, you know, one of the best defensive performances I've seen. Unfortunately, it was also the one, of mo- one of the most depressing offensive games I've seen from them this year. But, you know, what did you think of the end of that game? Just, you know, both teams couldn't score. And, uh, you know, how is that ending for you? Yeah, I mean, there were so many opportunities, too. You know, it was just waiting for the Sixers. There was, uh, you know, a bunch of missed free throws down the stretch that you're just they're just leaving points on the board and you're just, I think they missed four or five straight guys. You would expect, uh, to make them two. Covington missed two in a row right down the stretch. Um, and then a couple uh, possessions in a row, like you said, where the defense was able to hold, um, to hold the Cavs offense to a few tough shots. I think there was three straight possessions where Kyrie, uh, he drove to the basket and missed and didn't get, you know, it was just solid mm-hmm. defense, no foul calls, no, 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 anything. And, you know, you're you're sitting there like, wow, great. Like, you know, how many times are you going to get lucky and not give up a basket to Kyrie? And then, you know, it's it's frustrating when you can't convert on the other end. But, I mean. Yeah, I believe. Been, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they ended up losing, which in the end might not be the worst thing in the world. It was nice to see them compete. But, you know, when you're caught in a, a game that close, you just, you, you want to, especially for like the younger guys, you know, you want to see them pull it out over, you know, one of the better teams in the league with one of the league's best players in LeBron. Yeah, I believe it was three minutes and 50 seconds down the stretch there. Neither team, um, you know, being able to put in a field goal, um, you know, it was a very ugly game down the stretch. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't too upset that Jeremy missed those two free throws. I mean, uh, he hasn't been that reliable player from the free throw stripe, but see Covington miss those, I was, you know, very surprised. And, you know, Ish missing a wide open three. Um, you know, I thought Noel's look at the end was pretty good, but yeah, it was a tough end, but you know, you're playing one of the best teams in the league who, you know, can't lose right now in their home court. Um it was just yeah. such a great thing to see them fight the way they did. Um but you know, moving on uh to you know, just some of the topics recently that I've noticed uh, throughout the team. Um, you know, Thomas Robinson, who will miss tonight's game with an ankle injury, has averaged just 14.8 minutes per game over the past five games. And uh, Jason Richardson, who's apparently day-to-day with a knee injury, averaged just 8.8 minutes in that same span. Um, are these guys truly banged up, you think, or is this a way for Brett Brown and Sam Hinkie to examine some of maybe the harder roster decisions facing the team in the off season by, you know, giving more minutes to guys like Ish Smith, Hollis Thompson, and Jakar Sampson, who, you know, you don't really know if they will uh, be around or not next season. Right. Uh, I think it's definitely a combination of both. And uh, in Jay Rich's case, I think there's probably some real, um, you know, some real physical issues going on there coming off you know, over like almost two years without playing an NBA game at that at his age and then coming back, you know, some hurt, some, you know, pain is to be expected. He's probably not going to be able to play every game. So him, his minutes dipping a little bit is expected. The Thomas Robinson situation is a little more interesting to me because, you know, we, we've said on the show for the past few weeks, we think he's been playing really well. But I don't know if he's played to the point of, um, you know, like guaranteeing himself a spot for next season. You would think that the – the organization like Sam and Brett and them would like to see more from Thomas. 
Um, you know, uh, Ferk and Aldemir has been getting uh, noticeably more minutes recently. He's been he's starting again tonight. Um, I think that's probably an attempt to get a look at him, and that's a further look at him after not playing for you know a large chunk of the season there. That's probably cutting into some of T. Rob's minutes. But um, yeah, I'm curious as to why Thomas's minutes are a little bit low. Um, do you have any any theory behind that? Yeah, I mean. I don't really know what to make of Thomas's minutes drop, but you know he could be hurt, like we were saying. Uh, maybe it's a way for Hinky to just keep his price tag low, maybe uh, for the upcoming free agency if they were to, you know, maybe extend him here. Um, we're all aware at you know how capable of a rebounder he is, and he's even shown a little bit of scoring touch around the rim. Um, I, for one, would love to have him back next season, and you know, the only way for the team to do that would be to get him cheap. Um, I've pretty much moved on from the idea of keeping Henry around next season. So, you know, I, I think Robinson would be a great replacement there. Uh, as for Jay Rich, uh, you know, he, he might be hurt. You know, his, his knee probably isn't, you know, at full strength. Um, his benching, I believe, though, has everything to do with, you know, um, seeing who might deserve that other roster spot next season between, you know, Ish Smith, Hollis Thompson, and Jakar. Um, they all have, you know, different styles of play and facets of their game, which keep them intriguing. I think Jakar might maybe hold the most upside. Um, you know, knowing that Tony Roden is coming back, you don't really know what, what's going to happen to Ish. And, um, you know, Hollis has really regressed as a shooter this season. Um, but what are your thoughts on, you know, that, that situation at the guard spots? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. That's probably definitely some of the reasoning as to why Jay Rich's minutes have dipped a little bit. Um, you know, he's obviously not a guy that's going to be a part of the team moving forward in the rebuild phase. So at this point, with only a few games left in the season, you might as well you know take some of the minutes that would be going to him and use them to you know further evaluate some of the young talent. Um, with that being said, it's it's definitely an interesting situation. Hollis Thompson, I. I uh, like you said, I feel he's been a little bit disappointing this season. He was a guy that I kind of thought was going to take a step further this year after, um, you know, a year of experience playing under Brett last year. He was kind of one of the only holdovers from last year that was still coming in this year. And especially after um, his summer league performance in Orlando, he played really well, not just shooting, but, um, you know, defending, taking the ball to the basket. Uh, he's, he just kind of showed uh, his game developing and then it kind of hasn't translated over to the season you haven't really seen that um out on the court for him this year and unfortunately there's just you know the wing wing position in the nba so deep um with both established guys and young guys coming in i I just don't know i feel like hollis might be an odd man out in the you know for the sixers going forward after this year I i don't think he's really done enough to set himself apart um I thought he would have, you know, I'm a, he's a nice guy, a nice guy. I like the effort he tries hard, but it just doesn't seem he's been able to really establish any part of his game. And like you said, his shooting, it's not like he's even been a knockdown shooter. It's, it's regressed a bit. So I think that, that necessarily won't bode too well for him. And uh, also same similar situation with Ish, uh, like you alluded to. He might end up being an odd man out with, uh, you know, Tony Rowland's a little younger. They play a very similar style game. Um, just you don't know 
where if there's going to be space for Edge coming back, especially depending on what they end up doing in the draft. They go, you know, a couple guards early in the first round. You never know. Um, there might not be much space left on the roster. So with that in mind, uh, would you say that Jakar then would be the guy that they, they might keep around? <laughs> it's, it's hard to say. At the, at the beginning of the season, I, I never would have thought that uh, he's, He's a guy that you've definitely seen develop and get better over the year. His shots improved. Um, I think as his confidence has kind of grown, I think Brett has done a really good job of motivating Jakar, um, you know, talking him up and harping on the things that he does well. You know, he can get out and trans- uh, transition. He kind of get in the passing lanes on defense and finish around the rim. Um, so out of those three guys, I would say that Jakar is probably the most likely to be around. Um uh, uh, he definitely brings sort of, he's probably the most multidimensional out of the three of those, especially compared to Hollis. He just kind of has, a, uh, you know, a little more edge to his game as far as energy and taking the ball to the basket that Hollis really hasn't seemed to bring to the table this year. Yeah, I mean, Jakar, he's not known as a shooter, um, but, you know, he can really get into the paint and attack the rim, which is, you know, something that, you know, the Sixers might need in a wing player. Uh, they already have their shooters in, uh, you know, Covington and, you know, possibly Jordan McRae joining the team next season, which seems likely at this point. But, um, you know, they're going to need someone that can really attack the paint and draw some fouls. And I think Jakar, out of those three, um, especially with Roden coming back, uh, would be the guy that they look to keep out of uh, that group. But, you know, once again, this is the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Mike Lukowski, Blomaine. And um, along, you know, that same thought train with uh, the guards on the team, Isaiah Cannon is averaging 13.6 points over his past five games, just uh, 21.6 minutes per game. Um, what have you seen from Isaiah, you know, in his recent scoring surge and, you know, outside of the Thunder game earlier this season? would you put his most recent game against the Wizards as possibly his best in a Sixers uniform? Uh, you, you know, probably he's been playing well. Other than um, that that game you alluded to earlier, He's I feel like he's, his confidence is a little bit um, up a little bit recently. You know, he's uh, playing off ball a little bit more with Ish coming in, and he's just looking, he's just looking for his shot more. But, um, you know, you, you can see that he's, He's definitely fighting for a spot on this team. It's obvious that, you know, it's certainly no guarantee that he's going to be here. I think he knows that. I think he's, uh, you know, he just, he's been playing hard and going out there and, you know, at least trying trying to, um, you know, take the ball to the basket and do more. But his shot has also been falling, which really opens up the rest of his game and opens up the rest of the floor for his teammates. Um, what have you seen from him that you like? Yeah, he's, you know, really staying consistent from beyond the arc recently. Uh, he's shooting 40% from beyond in his past five. 2.83 is per contest. Um, you know, this is a role that, you know, he's really here for on the team. Um, I fully expect the Sixers to draft a point guard and, you know, where Tony Roden, or especially if they draft, you know, Emmanuel Moutier, uh, if they might come up short shooting the ball, uh, you know, bring Isaiah and he keeps the defense honest and, you know, might take some pressure off Joel Embiid in the paint. Um, you know, it's all yeah. about spacing in the NBA and that's really what 
Isaiah can give the offense. Um, but, you know, is, is he a guy, you know, we talked about that other group of guards, but has he really, you know, proven his role, especially considering what they gave up with uh, KJ at the trade deadline? <laughs> I like the KJ McDaniels reference just to let everyone know he is still in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, man, he's a. I think I saw he's only scored I think two points since since joining Houston. That's a his his trade market his trade value or his market value rather this summer is going to be interesting. I'm uh, I'm curious to see how <laughs> how teams view him now after that. But um, back to Isaiah, it's it's a tough situation because like you said, the shooting is his best asset, and that's obviously something the team's going to need going forward. Um, especially once Joel comes back over the summer to open the floor up. I just at this point I really I don't think he's shown enough over like overall in his in his game as a whole to warrant them bringing him back. Like if I had to bet money right now, I don't think Isaiah Cannon would be back for the Sixers next season. Just simply because I, I mean shooting is an issue that I think they'll look to address in the off season either you know through the draft and through some of the guys they have um you know continuing development you know Covington and McCray if he comes over who can shoot um I don't I don't think that they would justify keeping Cannon around simply for his shooting ability and I feel like overall he's just shown um an inability to really run an offense maybe I mean he could come in first and give a spell for like a short period of time but I think Ishmith, even comparatively to Isaiah, has shown the difference of being able to really penetrate and swing the ball around and open up an offense compared to a guy like Isaiah who's a better shooter and can still be an asset to an offense but isn't necessarily as adept at running it and making it work. So uh, to answer your question in a roundabout way, at least at this point, um, it could change, obviously, but I don't think that Isaiah has done enough to you know, warrant himself a spot on the team next season. But, you know, if, if the Sixers don't have the chance to get D'Angelo Russell, who, you know, is widely known as the better shooter out of, you know, between him and Moutier, um, do you almost wait until the draft to make that decision? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's no rush. You know, I, I feel like there's, there's really no rush for a lot of these decisions coming up over the summer um, regarding some of the players. But, yeah, especially one like that, he's worth keeping around, maybe, you know, keeping an eye on to see Isaiah that is because, like you said, he could come in, especially if you get another point guard that's not necessarily a great shooter like Moutier. You can kind of offset that by keeping a guy that could, uh, you know, take some minutes off that is a solid shooter in Isaiah. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, Hinky is probably thinking the, the same thing as us right now. He's, you know, obviously smarter than us when it comes to those types of decisions. Uh, you know, he's he's going to make sure that, you know, every type of scenario surrounding Embiid's return is covered. And, you know, opening up the floor is definitely one of them, uh, you know, one of the biggest ones in terms of spacing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Isaiah will be around until the team, you know, decides, okay, we have a shot at Russell here. Um, we don't need him, you know, we're not going to pay him, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, we'll see yeah. what happens there. Um, but, you know, moving on to, you know, the other picks that we're kind of watching here, it's Sixers draft watch with six games left <laughs> to go in the season. Uh, the Heat pick came down to pick number 15, and 
Draft Express, uh, you know, that currently translates into Notre Dame's Jerry Grant, um, who you got to see falter at the end of that Kentucky game uh, last Saturday, which was a rough one. But, uh, you know, I think we jinxed the Thunder last week because suddenly they've lost two straight. The Wizards have won two straight, and that drops them back into the 18th slot. As we know, you know, we need the – the 19th position for that pick to transfer. Are you sweating it out the rest of the way like I am for this pick to actually come over? Yeah, absolutely. It's def- it definitely got even uh, more interesting over the past week, like you said, with the Thunder dropping a couple of tough ones and the Pelicans climbing back up into that race for the eighth spot and uh, the Wizards getting a couple wins too. So, I mean, you want to see, a, you know, at least one of these picks come over, um, you know, out of potential four, three would be, you know, great to see. The Lakers haven't been winning many games either. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot to watch over the next, you know, two weeks before the playoffs start. Yeah, I mean, OKC is in very dangerous territory. Uh, the Pelicans are now just a half game behind them. They're riding a four-game winning streak. Uh, you know, it's really crunch time right now for Russell Westbrook and company. Uh, they have three winnable games coming up against the Kings, Pacers, and Timberwolves, but they also have three very tough matchups against the Rockets, Spurs, and Blazers. Um, You know, is going three and three in the next six enough to make uh, the playoffs and jump the Wizards? Uh, I don't know, man. It's going to be a tough one. It would be really tough to to think about OKC missing out on the playoffs. I mean, either way, you're either going to have Anthony Davis sitting on the sideline or you're going to have, you know, Russ and KD sitting out, but mm. you know they might have to win. Uh, they might have to do a little better than 500 to you know give the like, really hold on to that spot. I think maybe four and two over that span would give them uh, you know a little bit of comfort at least. Yeah, and you know also worth talking about uh, the Heat pick at 15 right now could easily drop to 11th if uh, the Celtics or Pacers were to overtake them for the AC in the East. And uh, if both actually jumped them in the standings, it would be a disaster scenario where the pick would drop to 10th, wouldn't translate to the Sixers since it's top 10 protected. And, uh, you know, they're all within a game and a half of each other in the standings right now. And after all this talk that we've done over the past few weeks about, you know, this endless stock of first-rounders in the upcoming draft, uh, you know, how off-putting is it to know that there's a shot the Sixers might just only have one first rounder on a draft night <laughs> yeah. in June. Yeah, from four to one, right? But I mean, hopefully, mm-hmm. you have to think that at least one of them pans out. Uh, not that it wouldn't be, you know, worthwhile. You know, what the, how they went about acquiring the picks. Otherwise, that it would be a little disappointing. I feel like this piece they're kind of looking to stock up this summer with a couple guys that are gonna, you know, come right into play and contributing along with. You know, no, uh, you know, Noel in his second year and Embiid. I feel like they're trying to kind of bring the core guys together this summer, build them forward. Coming out with only one pick when you have the possibility to walk away with four would be tough. Um, definitely going to be sweating it out. It's getting close to the point where you're like, well, at least give, give me at least two of them. I'm going to get greedy. Still hope that they end up, you know, hopefully the Thunder finish strong, make a push to the playoffs on the heels of some, you know, more strong play from Westbrook. Uh, you know, hope for something like that. 
but definitely uh, going to be sweating out over the next couple of weeks. You know, I, I just mentioned how the Celtics could be one of those teams to overtake the Heat um, right now. You know, you all know uh, Evan Turner is the starting point guard over there in Boston, and uh, I think the 700 level had a nice piece about, you know, Evan being a playoff point guard in the East this season. Um, you know, <laughs> what would it be like for you to – be watching, you know, him take on the Hawks in that that first round matchup. It's tough to even even really picture, but I mean, he's been a triple double machine lately since he went to Boston. He's had uh, what's that? Three triple doubles over the past like couple months. He never had one with the Sixers. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, it's it's definitely a matter of opportunity. I mean, they were willing to kind of like you said, he's let him play point guard, which is something that he's he's always wanted to be sort of like a point forward. Um, but it's mm. it's gonna seem sur- it's gonna seem surreal if that if that situation actually pans out and Evan Turner is a starting point guard in the playoff series. Um, <laughs> I feel like that'll give his ego a, a boost that maybe it doesn't need necessarily. And uh, yeah, it'll it'll just be, I mean, interesting to watch to say the least. <laughs> what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I never had any a- animosity towards Evan. Um, you know, I thought that he acted maybe a little childish off the court and still does to this day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, he he just wasn't good enough to be a number two pick in the draft. Uh, it's as, as simple as that. Um, you know, I, I thought that there were times where Evan was very clutch as a player, um, you know, in, in that playoff series against Boston, actually. He had a couple of game winners, and, uh, you know, he didn't, maybe shoot the best throughout his career in Philly, but I thought that, you know, when the games were, were close, he would make some big shots every now and then and uh, some big passes. So, um, <laughs> you know, it would definitely be depressing uh, as a Sixers fan these days to see Evan Turner starting point guard for, you know, a playoff team. But, uh, yeah. you know, credit to him. You know, I, I'm not sour about it. Uh, you know, I'm glad that he has – somewhat of a role um, for a borderline playoff team. So I think that's cool yeah, for him. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, at what stage right now, uh, speaking of the Sixers, you know, playoff possibilities, um, you know, at, at what stage are the Sixers right now in the rebuild compared to last season? And uh, could this team reach the playoffs as early as next season? Compared to last season, like the end of last year, compared to where they are this year, I feel like they've taken a huge step forward um, in, in the whole process. I, obviously, the record doesn't reflect that, but you got to think, I mean, last year, those 19 wins they got were achieved with more than half the season with the veterans, uh, you know, the presence of Thad, Spence, um, you know, Lavoie, and the aforementioned Evan Turner. Um, this year, the wins they got were all on the backs of their young guys. I think, you know, at the end of last off season or at the end of last year, going into the off season, they had just, you know, got cleared some of the uh, the remaining the holdovers from the Doug Collins era off the books. Thad was still around. Um, there was, I feel like there was just a lot more question marks than there are now. I feel like at this point, at the end of the season, they've, you know, kind of established a begun to establish a young core based around. Um, you know, obviously, Embiid coming back, Noel, who's been playing out of this world recently, 
uh, Covington, and then you know the picks, um, the the picks coming in, and I feel like they've sort of established a style of play as well with the uh, you know the really tough top ten style defense that Brett Brown has been able to instill, and then combined with you know kind of a Houston Rockets ish offense of you know three pointers and shots in the paint, basically eliminating that the mid range game. Uh, you know, I feel like they just they have a lot of momentum going forward um, in the program that and a lot of less questions than existed last year. Uh, I don't know if that'll necessarily translate to playoffs next year because the team I, I could I, I do absolutely feel like it'll translate to more wins um, next year and maybe pushing up twenty five thirty something like that. I don't know if it'll translate to playoffs simply just because the team will be young. Um, you know. 90% of the guys will be first, second-year guys and, you know, get used to playing, meshing with each other, and just the inexperience level. Um, I mean, the East, as we all saw this year, it's not the, the deepest right now. It's pretty open, especially at those bottom spots. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like it's the, the rebuild, you, you really have to be – Scott O'Neill said after last season that it was a, you know, that it was a, a, a success. Uh, if he felt that way about last year, um, you, you'd have to think he's equally uh, happy with the way this campaign went, um, just the way some of the guys developed and we were, they were able to kind of identify keepers for the future and identify, you know, a way that they like to play and, um, you know, building going forward. I just think, uh, I think they're many steps further at this point in the season than they were a year ago. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to think that, they're way ahead of the rebuild right now than they were last year. Um, you know, every move the team made last season kind of set them up for, you know, what they did in the draft last June. And, you know, now the pieces are starting to slowly fall into place. Um, you know, I'd say Embiid, Noel, Covington, Roten, uh, Jeremy Grant, Jordan McRae, and, you know, possibly Jakar Sampson and Thomas Robinson – uh, will, you know, be on the roster entering summer league, draft a point guard in the lottery, uh, add a couple wing scorers, and I think the roster pretty much set next season. Um, I think the team should, could, you know, grab the seventh or eighth seed in the East next season. But uh, the team won't truly be contenders until they, you know, are able to spend that money in free agency. And uh, when Dario Saric finally comes over, you know, that's when you'll, truly see the complete, uh, you know, product of the rebuild. And uh, next year will be more of uh, the results on the court compared to strictly the evaluation that we saw this season. Um, But, you know, there's only six games left in the season um, right now. Can they get to 20 wins? And uh, what do you see as their, you know, final win total to end the season? I mean, I I think they could – potentially get to 20 wins. I know, I mean, they're playing a, a Hornets team tonight that's going to be, you know, looking, they're still alive in the playoff picture, barely, but they're, you know, they're still fighting to get get a spot for themselves, so that'll be, um, you know, they'll they'll get played tough. That'll be a tough one. Then they have Chicago, um, similar situation, um, Knicks, Wizards, Heat and Bucks. So basically, the whole batch of playoff teams, other than the Knicks, maybe they'll catch a team like resting some guys. But you know, it's not an easy schedule for the rest of the season. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Twenty wins might mm-hmm. be tough. My my guess would be 
I think they'll end the season at the same with the same win total as last year with nineteen. Yeah, uh you called it just the way I called it. Uh you know, I think tonight's game will really dictate if they reach twenty wins and surpass their win total from last season. But I just don't see a win coming tonight due to all the injuries. Uh, you know, Thomas Robinson, Jason Richardson and Isaiah Cannon are all expected to sit. So, you know, we'll see if they can keep pace with the Hornets the, the whole game. But uh, regardless of how they do tonight, I think that they should beat the Knicks tomorrow. Um, I'm going to say 19 wins as well, you know, match their, their record last season. I just don't see wins coming against, you know, the Wizards, Bulls, Bucks, or Heat in those other games. And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm fine with the, the 19 nine more wins than I thought they'd have to start the season. And, you know, it still keeps them in a great position for the lottery. Um, but, you know, what do you think of just matching that, you know, 19-win total? Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm with you. Uh, that's all, you know, I'm fine with that. I couldn't ask for any more. It still puts them in good position to, uh, you know, to get one of those top picks. And it, it, I like the message. It sounds kind of that, you know, all the, uh, the negative – media attention nationally they've received for their methods and, you know, people here and there saying, oh, they need to have veterans to make the team better. Well, you know, last year they had those veterans that people are referencing that we, you know, there was that they got rid of and Turner and Haas and Thad Young and for the majority of the season ended with 19 wins. This year, matching that win total on the backs of, you know, our own young guys, Mike, before he got traded and, you know, Nerlens, Robert, uh, Jeremy, all those guys, I think it just shows that they're, you know, progressing and maturing as a team, um, com- you know, with that, with or without the presence of veterans that people said they necessarily needed. Um, but yeah, it's still, you know, it's it's a, it's a solid total for what they're trying to do. You don't want to, you know, get too many wins and push push themselves too far out of the lottery odds. So, you know, I think I think 19 is a good number for this season um, to look at. 20 would be fine if they end up pulling out one of those last few games against one of those playoff teams. But uh and then like you said, next year I think is a year that you can start seeing um some improvement in the record. You know, I don't think I don't think another nineteen win season is lined up next <laughs> year. I think that they'll start, you know, approaching if not cracking, you know, like the thirty win total, maybe potentially competing for one of those lower playoff seeds. And if not next year then uh, definitely the following year, once you know the team has had a little time to play together and some of the younger guys begin maturing a little bit, um, you at least hopefully you'll they'll start pushing, you know, up into the forties and beyond and into the playoff picture. Yeah, that's that's a hope. Um, you know, once again, this is the State of Independence podcast. Thanks so much for you know listening. I'm your host Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Kasky Blumain. Um, go out and follow us on the app Stitcher, and, you know, we'll catch you next week with a bunch more Sixers topics. But, you know, that's that's it for myself and Mike. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Man, it was real cool in school if we got good grades. I trade up base. The parents were taking to a 76 game. I got my game and there ain't no shame. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Irvin.
Denver, Cobb, Philly is home. Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony sinking threes. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you wanna make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I-95. Wanna get downtown but feeling in the fix? Get on that road they call 676. The most expensive, expensive piece of interstate they ever made. The fellas ain't famous, but they got the game. Oh.